0: following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motocare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available seven double 1040 1000 More beautifully than And every time we sing it, it brings me to tears because it reminds me, it doesn't matter what language group you come from, it doesn't matter what color your skin is or what country you come from, it doesn't matter any of that, it doesn't matter because we have one great God that loves all of us. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, we'll read verses 1 through 11. Again, Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11, we start off in verses 1 and 2 last week, and Pastor Matt's going to continue on through these first 11 verses this morning. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith unto His grace, wherein we stand... And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we were, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Praise the Lord. Let's go to our time.
1: Those, as I came into. Today's passage and study. I knew one of them, and I'll just go ahead and tell you the other one came as a surprise to me. We'll see the fifth. So we had three last week. The fourth one, I already saw that one before I started studying, and then the fifth one came as a surprise. I'll show it to you before we get done with the message. So then that means that we don't have seven. We actually have eight gifts, and we'll see the last three next week. These are things that Jesus has provided for us as believers. And I will do my best to keep things flowing. We'll have a lot of verses on the screen this morning so that you can see them uh, and see where, where we're taking these thoughts from. I'll say it like this as we start. All of us face trials and tribulations in our lives. All of us do. There's a right way to see them, and there's a wrong way to see them. And they will take many different forms and many different shapes in our lives. For some, it will be the loss of life. Yea, as a martyr, we see that in the Scriptures. We've seen it throughout church history. Some, and that's not been any of us. And yet, trials and tribulations take on different forms for all of us as believers, and I hope that as a result of today's time in the Word, that we will see that trials and tribulations for the believer are a gift that's given to us by the Lord Jesus to help draw us closer to the Father. I'll do my best to show that to you. I know that as I walk through this, I know that you will be going through different trials than I am. I don't want to put those things down. Scripture uses many different words for the word tribulation. Trials, affliction, suffering. We might even say problems. For some, that's health. For some, that's spiritual struggles. For some, that's fights within the home. For some, that's neighbors who mock you. And for some, as you proclaim the gospel, and I pray even from among us, God would send out missionaries and preachers from among us who would take the gospel to places where it would be risky, and that might even be a tribulation that God allows in your life, I'll say as a gift from our Lord Jesus, for the single purpose of drawing us closer to the Father. Before I jump into the text for today, I do want to just show you, and I'll put them up on the board. I'll give you some reasons, some things that Uh, some things that happen that cause God to bring tribulation into the life of a person that are separate from what we see in the passage. So I see God giving trouble in someone's life or tribulation in someone's life to repay troublemakers, to repay troublemakers. I take this from 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 6. This is Paul writing. He says, "...seeing it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you." So as a believer... You're doing the right thing. Somebody else is causing problem to you. God has every right to bring tribulation upon them. That's possible. Uh, Another one is God will use trials and tribulations to humble the proud. I take this from Proverbs 15, verse 25. Uh, Be careful that you are not proud, especially before a heavenly Father who is over all things. We have no space to ever raise our head and say, Oh, I am the most important. He is the most important. And he promises, Proverbs 15, 25, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. He'll bring trouble upon your house if you're proud. Another one is for believers. He will correct his children. This is Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. As a child of God, if you continue to live in sin and you do not repent of it, He, as your Heavenly Father, in a loving way will scourge you, will chasten you to get your attention and draw you back. And yet, we do know from Scripture and especially from today's passage, sometimes God allows trials and tribulations, and I would say probably most of the time He allows trials and tribulations to come into our lives not based on our sinful deeds, but instead as a gift to draw us closer to the Heavenly Father. Let me show you verse number 3. This is Romans 5, verse number 3. The opening words of verse number 3. He says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also we glory in tribulations also we see them as good things trials come in our life here's what the apostle says I see a bad thing come up in my life and I see it as a good thing God's giving this tribulation to me so I'm going to glory in it I'm excited about it I'm happy that this came up in my life the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I'm going to work through this. It's going to be okay. This is a gift from God. I glory in this tribulation. That's not normal. That's odd. Normal thinking? Sorry for my English speakers. I'll spe- switch into pidgin for just a moment because I think that it comes out a lot better in pidgin. Me behind him leg belong Jesus because me like kiss get a blessing long It's true. It's true. You'll get the blessings of God by following Jesus. That's true, but I'm afraid that your definition of blessing is not the same as the Scripture's definition of a blessing. For tribulation will also be a blessing in your life. So you follow Christ, there will be blessings that come along, but don't think that all of God's blessings are financial. Don't think that because I follow Jesus, then I'm going to get a nice car and things are going to go really well and my wife is going to be healthy and my children are going to grow strong and they will go and get an education and take care of me in my old days. That's not what the Scriptures promise. The Scriptures promise instead tribulation. And it is a blessing for your life. I'll give some examples of this. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd heard of this, and I went and did some study this week on butterflies. I, I love butterflies. Butterflies are beautiful, and they fly. I like things that fly. And so here's butterflies, and I see this. Butterflies, and when a butterfly moves from the portion, it starts off as a caterpillar. You remember that? You remember it from Sunday's science school, science class, right? And so here's here's the butterfly. He, he moves through all these different stages of metamorphosis, and he's a caterpillar, and then he becomes a chrysalis. All right, cocoon is a moth. I learned that this week. A chrysalis is the butterfly. So here's the chrysalis, and there it is. It's hanging from the leaf, and it's a chrysalis, and it's there. Different species take different lengths of time, and then the last thing that it does is it's becoming a butterfly, and you can see it. Sometimes you can even see right through the very thin skin of the chrysalis. You can see the butterfly's wings and what it's going to look like, and then... It works its way out of the chrysalis and it hangs upside down on the chrysalis and it's a bit weak at the very beginning of it. And I say that if a child sometimes, and you can see this happen in a kid's soft heart wanting to help the butterfly get out of the chrysalis, and so the child will help and maybe cut back or pull back the chrysalis just a little bit and get that butterfly out and then set the butterfly on the ground. And I just helped the butterfly. And for the first few moments, it seems like it's okay, but guess what? That butterfly will never fly. Because that whole process of coming out of the chrysalis causes the meconium to go down into its wings and the butterfly will hang upside down and it will move its wings back and forth, and that's what causes the wings to be stiff and in full form. But if you take that butterfly and you set it down right side up, that meconium never makes it into the wings. The wings harden in a wimpy little shape, and you just made a butterfly that never flies, spends all his days walking around. That's a boring butterfly. Cut those wings off and call him an ant. An ant. You see, that struggle is part of the growing process. God made it that way. There's a study done in 2003 in the country of Hungary about tomatoes. There's a a chemical, a nutrient inside of tomatoes called lycopene. And it's what makes the tomatoes to be red. Lycopene is also found in watermelons, it's also the same thing that makes it to be red. They did a study, they know that, they've known for a long time that lycopene is an antioxidant and it fights against cancer cells. And so if you're wanting to have good tomatoes that can help people well, you want to increase that lycopene. So they did some studies to find out what will it take to increase the lycopene. And so they did these very good studies where they planted the same species of tomatoes and gave them different Nutrients gave them different uh, sun amounts, different water amounts, and guess what they found out? That if you give a normal amount of water to a tomato plant, its lycopene will be normal. But if you cut the amount of water in half, starve the plant. The lycopene that is in the tomatoes goes out the roof. It makes the tomato to be bright red. It causes the nutrients in it to get so much better. Here you go. When the plant suffered, the fruit is better. Do you follow me? I think there's a spiritual application here. When the plant suffered, the fruit was better. You see, God's using struggles and trials and tribulations in our life to help us to be Better is a part of the growing process. I'll say it like this: It's part of your sanctification. You remember the big words that we use—justification, when you got saved, and sanctification is that process where you're becoming more and more like Christ throughout your days. And then comes the day when either you are raptured or you go to be with the Lord in death. Then you get glorified. And throughout this sanctification, the process of your life, God is allowing these tribulations to come into you and it's part of your growing process. It's making you into more like the image of Christ. Far be it from me to push back against His process. Jesus used this example with the parable of the sower and the four soils. You remember? The sower went forth to sow and He cast out the seed. This is Matthew 13, Luke, Luke chapter 8. He cast out the seed and some fell on the roadside, and the birds came and ate it. You remember that? Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns choked them out. The one I find very interesting is where it says that some of the seed fell on the stony ground, and it grew. Can I pause there for just a moment and remind you that only God gives life to the dead? I believe, honestly, I believe that in Jesus' story, the ones that fell on the stones got saved. That's life. It goes to dying people and it only comes from our Savior. And they took root and they began to grow. But you might remember what happened. The sun cooked them and they shriveled up and died. You know what they did? They looked at a trial in the wrong way. They saw it as, this trial is too much for me to bear. My faith... It's not in Jesus. My faith is in what I think should be happening. And it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, and they shriveled up. Here's what Jesus said about that as He interpreted the parable. This is Matthew 13, verse 21. Jesus said, Yet hath He not root in Himself, but dureth for a while. In other words, He lived for just a little while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the Word, by and by He is offended quit, shriveled up, done, because of the trial. His roots weren't in the right place. That's the wrong way to think. I'm not getting bigger bank accounts. I'm not getting financial blessings or this healthy family or laughter with friends Therefore, something is wrong and I'm going down the wrong path. Oh, be careful, friend. God's bringing the tribulations into your life to make that a part of your sanctification process. And then Jesus in Luke 8, Luke records the same story, brings out a different aspect as Jesus interprets the one that brought forth fruit. Here's what he said. This is Luke 8, verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, Keep it and bring forth fruit, here's the important word, with patience. Day after day, the sun rises, the sun sets. The rain falls and it doesn't fall. And the sun cooks its head, and with patience it bears fruit. You see, there's a right way to see suffering, and there's a wrong way to see suffering. And Jesus lets us know that with patience, and we're going to see patience, by the way, in Romans 5, with patience, tribulations change. It's a part of our sanctification process. Last week I told you that we'd be walking through these different things that Jesus provides for us, so let me just review the three that we saw last week and we'll add on the fourth one from today's text. Here are the three from last week we saw. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gift. We have peace with God. Before we were His enemies, and now we have peace with God. The second thing we had was access into God's grace wherein we stand. We no longer are shaky ground. We're not striving. We're not slipping. We are standing in God's grace, and that's because of Jesus. He's brought us access into God's grace. I can't have it any other way. It's Jesus that makes that happen. And then the third one we saw was hope of the glory of God. And we saw that in Romans 5, the latter part of verse 2. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Oh, His awesome glory. I have hope of it. And I rejoice in that hope. I boast in that hope. And then today, I want you to see that we have hope in tribulation. This is a gift from Jesus. We have hope in tribulation. In other words, this tribulation will not go on forever. There's hope. I can see to the other side of it. I know that he's doing something in this. I have hope in this tribulation. So let me read verses 3 to 5. Hopefully you'll get to see it. Verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So I'll walk through these phrases. He's given us hope and tribulation. I'll walk through these phrases, and not only so. in other words, he's laying a, there's a foundation that was found back in verse number one uh, that therefore being justified by faith, that's that great, big foundation. because of that foundation, we're adding on all of these pieces, these gifts that have been given to us. Faith has been our foundation. Peace with God is up here, access to God's grace, and now we have not only so, we also have this. Fact that we can glory in tribulation. That's the next phrase. So not only so, next phrase. We glory in tribulations also. That word glory is not the same as glory of God that's in verse 2. So if you my Bible, I've got circles and lines going everywhere. The glory, verse 3, glory in tribulations. Glory is a verb. Another way to say it is boast or rejoice. It's the same word that's used earlier as rejoice in verse 2, rejoice in verse 3, glory. It's the same Greek word. The glory of God is not the same word as glory in tribulation. You don't do anything with the glory of God. Don't you dare take that one. This is we glory or we boast or we rejoice, just like we rejoice in his the hope of his glory. I rejoice in tribulation. That's mind-blowing. Doesn't make sense. How do I do this? Don't let anybody tell you or trick you into thinking that God just wants you to be rich. There's a lot of preachers that are doing that, by the way. A lot of preachers that are telling you, you just need to give your seed offering and God will return it to you 100-fold. That is taking the Scriptures and twisting them in ways that it never was intended to be. Somebody says that, somebody stands in this pulpit, I give you free... Access to stand up in the middle of the sermon and walk out. Feel free to go on your way out. Rubbish. I pray that there would never be a pastor who will come along behind me and say things like that. Ironically, the ones that say that seem to be the only ones that are being blessed with big bank accounts. And most likely it's because they're living it up off the backs of the people who they're telling to give seed offerings. He says trials will come. Let me show it to you from scriptures. This has been promised. Trials will come. Paul said it. 2 Timothy 3.12. Yea, and all, how many? All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. Troubles will come. Suffering will come. Tribulation and trials will come. All will suffer persecution. Uh, Paul said it. Peter said it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Let me bring that to modern language. Don't think it's strange when the bad things happen. That's normal. That's what Peter tells us. It's normal. As though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice in as much as you are, and I want you to help me, you are partakers of Christ's suffering. You see this? It's guaranteed trials will come, but when those trials come, you know what's happening? You get to partake in the suffering with Jesus. It's as if... And I know that this isn't happening, but it's as if there's Jesus on the cross and man is spitting on Him and He's carrying the sin of the world and you're going through an affliction. Oh, how much lighter our affliction is than His. And it's almost as if He says, Come, I'm inviting you into this moment. Partake of the suffering with Me. Oh, this is a gift from the Lord Jesus that when His glory is revealed, oh, we don't have any right to partake in that glory, but when His glory is revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. We get to partake with Him. So, Paul said it. Peter said it. Guess what? Jesus said it. Here's John chapter 16, verse 33. These things, Jesus speaking, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Oh. He is letting us know it's going to come. Just hang in there. It'll be okay. Please don't let anybody tell you that it won't happen. Paul has plenty of examples of this throughout his life. We've talked through, walked through the uh, passages of 1 Thessalonians, and we talked about the Thessalonian church. You remember Paul goes into Thessalonica, and in three weeks they have a miraculous start of a church there. But by the end of three weeks, they run Paul out, and the church ends up carrying all kinds of persecution, so much so that some of them die, and the people are wondering, What's going on? Paul says, I have to tell you this. Comfort one another with these words that we'll see our lost loved ones again. Oh, friend, know that there were troubles even in Paul's life. He had it in Thessalonica. He had it in Philippi. Goes into Philippi and does his best to try to be nice there. There's this young girl, slave girl, filled with a demon, following him around. Do you remember that? He turns around and casts the demon out. In modern language, he just put an end to human trafficking. And he spends the night in jail with his back beaten for it. There will be persecution. And here, let me bring this home, because I think this might be where more of us find ourselves in today. Because let's just be honest, none of us are getting our heads cut off for Christianity right now. But this is a part of affliction and trial, is sickness. And Paul talks about that in 2 Timothy 4. And I don't have this verse on the screen, but here's what he said. He writes to Timothy and he says, Trophimus, have I left at Miletum? Sick. He's making journeys and he stops, and one of the young preachers, he lets him off the ship and he says, Brother, I know that you can't keep going on with me. This is the same, very same Paul that raised a dead boy that fell out of the window. How come he can't heal this guy's sickness? So, this is an affliction for Paul and it's an affliction for the young man who he has to let off to the side. Trophimus, have I left it? Meletum's sick. There will be afflictions in your life. So perhaps if yours is illness, just like it was for Trophimus, know that God has a purpose in it. He's brought it along for your sanctification. And yet Paul says, we glory in tribulations. I said, Paul, you think differently, pal. We glory in tribulations. That word tribulations is the same word that's used for pressure. And you can get this image of being squeezed. John MacArthur uses the illustration of an olive being squeezed and what comes out of it is olive oil. Or a grape being squeezed and what comes from it is wine. You see, what starts off as a painful experience and a bad thing, God uses for much better. We glory tribulation. You see, the tribulation, the pressure serves a purpose. And just like Jesus gave in that parable of the sower, please don't end up in the wrong area as a shriveled up dead plant because you got bitter. Instead, allow God to use that pressure to bring forth great, beautiful things in your life. He says we rejoice, we glory in tribulation. Remember that we're only supposed to glory in the Lord. You remember that. We've talked about it several times. 1 Corinthians one twenty nine, That no flesh should glory in His presence. And then verse 31 That according as it is written He that glorieth let him glory in the Lord. So here's the problem. On one hand it says don't glory unless you're going to glory in the Lord. And then the other one I glory in tribulation. Well here you go. How do you reconcile those two? I hope your mind has already put them together. Here's how you reconcile them. It's the tribulation came from the Lord. That's how I can glory in it. I can boast and rejoice that God has allowed this suffering to come into my life. And so I'm going to glory in it because it's Him. It's His work that's going on. So he says in verse number 3, Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. I hope that that phrase, knowing that, rings a bell in your mind. There's another verse that talks about knowing about suffering. It's Romans 8.28. Very famous verse, Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God and to them that are the called according to His purpose. So God takes all of those bad things and He pulls them together and He works them for good, to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. He's not doing that for those who don't love Him and are not the called. He does not do that. That's that first three categories. There's a problem in your life because you're living in sin. or God is trying to knock down the proud. He's not working that together for good. He's doing that to get your attention. But in this instance, we know. He says, I rejoice in these tribulations because I know that God uses this tribulation to work patience. He says it again. Only three chapters later in chapter 8, he says, I know that God works these things together for my good. I might say that this is next level Christianity. Next level. Don't stay in baby Christianity. Brothers and sisters, please don't. It's the reason we spend time in the Word. Don't hang out in baby Christianity. May hide him like mark with Jesus. Don't stay in baby level. Come to next level. Think like the apostle thinks. Think like the Scriptures want us to think. The pressure is on. The pressure is on. How many of us find us like find ourselves like this? It's one o'clock in the morning and PNG power just went black out for the umpteenth time this week. The neighbor has a boom box that's battery-powered, and he decides to turn it on. Wake up the 17 dogs in the wild pack that live on the street, and that causes my baby to wake up and start crying. Now my back hurts, and my toothache is still there. And I'm laying there in the bed, and the sweat's rolling down my leg, and I didn't realize it, but now I do. I can smell my own armpit. (laughs) I'm laying there in the bed, and it's dark, and I start thinking about all the bills that need to be paid. Oh, and it starts raining, and I had one little consolation in the middle of the night and that was that I sit here and scroll through Facebook on my phone in the darkness, but now because it's raining, all those stupid flying ants are all in front of my phone and disturbing my eyes. And then you realize, oh yeah, Adirondack too. Thanks. Y'all went off. Nothing is going right. The pressure is on. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, can I give a little spin to this? Oh, what a blessing. It's dark outside now and it's raining. I can go out and take a wash in the dark while nobody's looking. <laughs> Knowing that God's bringing these things into my life for this moment for my good. First Peter chapter 4, and verse 19, Peter writes this, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God... Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. So there you are, in the middle of the pressure is on, and trials are happening, left, right, and center. Brothers and sisters, commit your soul to the keeping of a faithful creator. Don't go dried, shriveled up little grape over in the corner, hating God. No, no, no. I'm going to commit my soul to the one who keeps all things well. And I'm going to let him work through this. And this pressure is going to bring forth some awesome wine and some wonderfully clean oil. And I'm going to let him do his work. So there's a, there's a progression, a godly progression that happens through this. And it's outlined here in verses 3 to 5. I'll show it to you. So then tribulation, worketh patience, patience experience, experience hope. Hope makes not ashamed. So let me just walk through them. Patience means cheerful Endurance. So, tribulations, I know that, that's what he says in verse 3. I know that tribulations work patience. Patience, it's a cheerful endurance. It's not a, I'm just working my way through this. That's not cheerful. It's patience. True patience is I'm going to allow God to do this. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to cheerfully let Him do His work. And I'm going to remember that it's just temporary. This problem is just temporary. And, brothers and sisters, let me pause here. That's not in my notes. I know that if the affliction, if the sickness is even terminal, it's still temporary. Temporary. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So this suffering, this affliction, tribulation is only temporary and there will be a finish to it. We've got justification on the day I got saved. i got sanctification through the rest of this life. And even if this suffering lasts until my dying day i got glorification coming. And there will be eternity. I don't know if you ever thought about how long eternity is. Eternity is so long it's going to make this life seem like a fleeting moment. I can look forward knowing that this is just temporary. And when I can see that my affliction is just temporary, I can have patience. He said it in Romans 8 and verse 18. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not to be worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. There's coming a day when it will all change. And if that day is next week or next year, or at the moment of the rapture, it will change. This suffering is just temporary. And so I can be patient. Tribulation works patience. And God is doing something that I may not be seeing in the midst of this. It's providential that I'm having this suffering. It's providential. In other words, God's doing this and he's working things for his purposes. Remember Paul's sufferings? In Paul's sufferings, there he is in prison, and he would have never had an opportunity to do what he did if he had not been put in prison. You know what he did? He got to stand in front of two different kings on two separate occasions and give the full unfolding of the gospel. Let me tell you, King Agrippa, here you are, this is where you are as a sinner, and this is what Jesus can do for your soul. Two kings got it. You know what else happened? A third of his epistles got written from prison. This is the guy that wants to travel and start churches in as many cities as he can. And that's a very good thing. But you know what? God said, hang on a second, Paul. I've got something better for your life. You know what that is? I'm going to put you in prison and let you write. Because this is going to help... Some churches for two thousand years. So just park it, buddy. Hey, Apollos didn't get that. Apollos got to keep traveling and starting churches. Barnabas keep traveling and starting churches. Silas keep traveling, and start, but we haven't got any Barnabas writings and Paul's writings and Silas writings. And Paul, go, Paul gets to park it for a couple of years. And just write, and God holds on to that. Makes me think of a lady by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. I don't know if you've heard of Johnny. When she was 18 years old, she was diving into a lake and the water was shallower than what she expected and she broke her neck in the dive, 18 years old. She's now in her late 50s and she has spent the rest of her life from the time she was 18 until now, she has spent her life in a wheelchair, cannot move her own legs and she has very limited movement of her arms, no control of her hands. If you saw a video of her and you can look her up, Johnny Tata, J O N I. T-A-D-A. You see video of her. She, when she talks, she talks with her hands. I, I do that too. But she doesn't have as much control. And she lifts her hands back and forth like this. No control with her fingers. The first couple of years after she had her accident, her testimony, she tells first couple of years she was bitter. But she realized that God had a better purpose for her. And so she learned how to paint with a brush between her teeth painting beautiful paintings. She's now written 48 books. Spends her life traveling the world, trying to raise awareness for how God can use disabilities in the lives of people and people that don't have disabilities in ways that we can help others. You see, God... Johnny Erickson Tata would have never had these opportunities if she'd have just been a regular girl But God said, here, I'm going to bring this one because I know this one's going to do something with it. And I think of our own issues here on campus, how our own issues for the last eight years, right underneath is a court case that looks like at any moment we could lose our property. And there it sits underneath. And I got to say, for eight years, goodness gracious, would it please go away? By the way, we're going into court again next month, national court next month, and if you would pray about that. Every time I think about it, I think of the very fact that here is God allowing a thorn in our flesh so that we can never think, oh, look how great we are as this ministry has grown in ways that we would never imagine. And I've had the opportunity because of this court case, I've had the opportunity to talk to people at levels where I would have never expected we would ever be able to talk to them, be able to share the gospel with and and pray with the, even Our current prime ministers be able to pray with them after they listen to and talk through the situation on our land. i got to say, God allows suffering, and there have been sleepless nights, and there have been tears shed over it. As we look at it and we say, what is plan B? There is no plan B. It's got to be Him who does it. And so in the midst of that... Light affliction, light affliction. In the midst of that light affliction, what can we do? Only lean on the Savior, because God's allowed that to come into our life. Jesus has given it as a gift to cause us to lean upon him. Oh, brothers and sisters, know that God is doing a work. He has a purpose in our lives. Please don't think that tribulations cause you to be impatient. No, tribulations show you that you are not patient. I'll say it again. Tribulations do not cause you to be impatient. They show you that you are impatient. I'll use a tea bag for an example. Number one tea. Came from the Wagi Valley. They cut it, dried it, put it in this piece of paper, and it's been hanging out inside this piece of paper. To be honest, I smell it, not really much to smell there. But the moment you put it in hot water, you get to find out what it's made of. You follow me? And the moment that God allows you to be put into the hot water, you know what He's doing? He's showing you what you're made of. It's His gift. It's a part of your sanctification. So when the struggle comes along, don't think this struggle is what's making me angry or it's making me impatient. No, this struggle, this trial, is showing you that you have impatience in your life. It's showing you that you think that your kingdom is the most important one. It's bringing out what's already there. It's a gift from God to help you to be more like Christ. So tribulation worketh patience, and patience works experience. Patience works experience. Experience is that proof that God is doing His work. It's experience. It's proof. And the idea behind the word proof is like a precious metal. And you can just imagine this. You take a precious metal and you put it into the fire and it causes the impurities to come out. That's the idea here with experience. It's a proof. and It causes the impurities to come out. So here God's bringing trials into my life and those trials are causing the bad parts of me to be revealed so that I can get rid of them. And then when I get rid of them, things get much purer between me and my Savior. Tribulation works patience, and patience works experience, and experience brings hope. Hope is the opposite of fear. Here's what's normal. Struggle happens, and I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know what's going to happen, and so normal, I'm afraid. Fear. You know what the opposite of fear is? Is hope. It's, I know he's going to make this work for good. I know it. So I've got hope. So tribulations brings patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. I'll give a, a different example using experience. So you can just imagine, how many of you loved balloons when you were a kid? B- balloons. I, I liked balloons. I liked balloons. You know why? They fly. All right? They say, I love balloons. I love balloons. And so here's a balloon. <laughs> That wasn't in my notes, guys. That one was just excepharitous. So it says, the balloons, so you got a balloon, right? And, and you take a balloon, and you give a balloon to a little baby, all right? And the baby likes it. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. You can see him, right? The baby likes the balloon, loves the balloon. But the moment the balloon pops, the baby freaks out, <laughs> screams at the top of their head. All right, then you take that baby. That baby grows a little bit. Say, let's maybe two years old now. Has enough teeth in its mouth to bite the balloon right and you can just get this ah, 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 ah. <laughs> it pops and they scream then there's this maybe six month period in their life where they're terrified of balloons because all they know is that a balloon will pop <laughs> and they don't want to have anything to do with it but then they grow up like you and I you see a balloon and still ah we we like our balloons but we don't fear the pop anymore you realize that you don't fear the pop because it's got no power, right? And as I look at troubles and tribulations that come into my life, I realize that God brought that trouble and tribulation into my life, and I can trust Him, and I have hope now. I don't have to fear the trials and tribulations. I've got hope. I know that what's going to happen, good, bad, or indifferent, is going to work out for the good. So, bring the trial along. It's okay. I'll trust Him who has brought it into my life as a gift for my life, and for my sanctification. I come through them, and I hope that you would be able to say these words. I'm experienced in trials and tribulations. I'm patient. I'm settled in the fact that my Heavenly Father is much mightier than all of those trials. And instead of letting the trial upset me, I'm going to exhibit the growth in my life that comes with spiritual growth of knowing that He will work all things for good. And I'm going to patiently wait for Him with hope based on the fact that he's in control. So hope makes not ashamed. We see that in verse number 5. So we have a glory in tribulations because tribulations work patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. And now hope makes not ashamed. Now before I was a believer, before I put faith in Christ, before I was justified by faith, back then when I was under the wrath of God, when a problem came, I had nothing to do but hide do my best to try to work my way out of it, but I would fear and hide. But now, because my Heavenly Father has justified me and brought me into the family and I'm right with God and I'm at peace with God, I've got access to the grace wherein we stand, now I have no reason to fear. Instead, I can hope And what's He going to do with this and I'm not ashamed. I'll just step right up out there with my Heavenly Father because I'm not ashamed. The trial can come. He's in control. It will make me Better, not bitter. Let's look at the last phrase in verse number five, and then we'll wrap up our time together. Verse number five, the end of the verse. Hope makes not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. How is it that I can glory in tribulations? Well, it's because I know that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto me. And so I'll just quickly walk through those three phrases. The love of God. This is a demonstration of the love of God in my life. His love is, oh, so much purer and better than our love. Our love is just a surface love. I say it regularly. I love you, brothers and sisters, but as human as I am, my love will never be perfect. Our love is so surface. I might say like the foam on the sea. And yet his love completely permeates to every corner like the water in the ocean. Around the reefs and under the rocks and all about the fish. Splashing up onto the shore and overflowing its boundaries. His love is perfect. His love is the words shed abroad in our hearts. Just completely permeates us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And by the way, I'll just give you a glimpse to next week. You can see it in verses 6 to 8. When we were still without strength, Christ died for us. And verse 8, God showed His love, commended His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. I said, I, My love is just fleeting. You do me wrong, there's a really good chance I'm going to turn away from you. But we were enemies against God, and He sent His Son to die for us. Oh, His love is and then we see this phrase, it's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Now this is amazing, and I could stop and make a whole sermon out of this. I'm not going to. You're welcome. So the Holy Ghost is given unto us. This is the very first time in the book of Romans that the Holy Ghost is mentioned. We've made it all the way through. Just let this sink in. If you're a believer, you should see this. Let this sink in. We made it through the whole presentation of the gospel without ever ever talking about the Holy Ghost. That's pretty mind-boggling. Now, what he's doing now is he's bringing the Holy Spirit in on the back end of the gospel. We have the Father loved us and sent the son and the son obediently went to the cross and took our sins turned away the wrath of the father and god said just put your trust in jesus and now on the back end of it we get we put our trust in jesus we get the holy spirit he comes in and dwells us The book of Ephesians talks about that. Your body now becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us now. This is on the back end of the Gospel. And notice what it says here. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. In other words, how do you get to know that the love of God is shed abroad? By the Holy Ghost being in you. So this is a... Gift. I told you that there was one gift that I completely overlooked. I can't believe I overlooked it because the word given is right there. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We are given a comforter for trials. Jesus gave us this statement this is Jesus. This is John chapter 14. He's sitting with His disciples. The Last Supper, the Passover, right before He goes to the cross. This is the night before. Jesus is there with His disciples. Thomas just asked, Jesus, where are you going? How are we going to know to follow You? How will we know the way? Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And in that very same passage, John 14, verse 16, He says, I'm going to pray the Father. I'm going to ask the God the Father to do this, and He will give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. And then two verses later, He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is the very essence of Jesus Christ Himself. And Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. Do you realize that when you're in a trial and tribulation, a struggle and affliction, you need comfort? And so He says, hey, here's a gift. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. So what has Jesus provided for believers? So far we've seen he's given us peace with God. He's given us access into the grace wherein we stand. And he's given us hope of the glory of God. And today we saw he gives us hope in tribulation. And fifthly, he gives us a comforter for our trials. He would not leave us comfortless. He sent us the Holy Spirit to be with us and comfort us. Through our trials, our Lord Jesus Christ has provided for every one of our needs. Father, I thank you for not leaving us comfortless. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And thank you for allowing us to be justified simply by faith. Oh, that is a gift that we do not deserve. And then on the back end of it, you bring tribulations to purify us. Make us be conformed more to the image of your Son. And then, in the midst of those struggles, you give us the Holy Spirit. You've promised us your Holy Spirit to comfort us in those trials. I pray we would see you as a good father. Not bitter, but better. Thank you for your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we dismiss, it's the first Sunday of the month, and so we have missions offering this morning. I invite our ushers to come. We support three missionaries, Pastor Conus at Anita, Brother Peter Kulroy at Vanuatu, and Brother Bobby Kipoy in Indonesia. And so as we give, everything that's given in the missions offering will be sent to help in those missions projects. Father, thank you for your goodness on us and the opportunity for us to give so that the gospel will advance in places where we might never see. But Lord, Lord, just like the Apostle Paul carried the gospel, we pray for Bobby and Peter and Conus this morning as they proclaim the gospel, I pray that the gospel would go with speed and that Hearers would open their word and the Holy Spirit would do His work as He draws them to a Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 7009-1000. Again, it's 7009-1000.